Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. We are live from the studios here at Grace FM radio network originating at Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado. So a shout-out to all our friends in New Jersey. Uh, I know I'll get in trouble for saying it that way, but I always say it that way. Philadelphia, well, Pennsylvania, but of course Philly. Uh, You got New Jersey, parts of New York, parts of uh, Pennsylvania, Um, I I think uh, Maryland, because we have our friends in Baltimore. Uh, so welcome everyone on, on Hope FM. Welcome everyone on Truth FM down south, North Carolina. Um, man, we need to find out what states. I had it written down, but I don't have it here anymore. Where Truth FM, there's three states they're in down in North Carolina area. Um, and of course, I think we're also in Minnesota, California, Texas, and a few other places and online uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Grace FM covers uh, parts of Nebraska, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and up and down the Front Range uh, throughout here in Colorado. So welcome everyone that is connected to us. 303-690-3000. Perhaps it is North Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Are that, is that legit? Or are you just making it up? Welcome back, Frank. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Give me a call. Lines are wide open. Uh, this is the time to get on. If you've ever wanted to be on the show, uh, this is the time when the none of the lights are light, lit up red and uh, you can get in because once the show starts going, it starts picking up. So give me a call. 303-690-3000. Uh, you can text me as well. We have a dedicated text line. Uh, you can't call it, but you can text it. Uh, and I suggest, if you're a regular listener of Calvary Live, that you save this number in your phone so that you can say, Hey Siri, text Calvary Live. Or, Hey Siri, oh, Siri, I, my Siri listened. Uh, so let me turn it off. Uh, and uh, maybe you can uh, tell your Android phone. I don't know how Android phones do that. Is it still with a rotary dial? And you dial it. 303-690-3000, number to get on the air, 720-336-0897 is the text number. Hey, we're back in person, Calvary Church, here in Aurora tonight, 7 p.m. We have, we're coming to the end of our study in the book of Daniel, verse by verse. Uh, we have uh, looked at not only Daniel as, as it relates to our current events, but we spent a lot of time uh, studying the in times, in times, uh, we I did a series called Understanding the Times, so we can put the current events in light of biblical prophecy, and you can connect that together with uh, the biblical teaching of the rapture of the church, the signs of the times, like the sons of Issachar. I love this. I've been teaching 
on Wednesday nights using the New Living Translation. And I like how the New Living Translation, let me look it up here, um, translates this. Uh, Let me read it to you first from the... um, Let me read it to you first. Sorry, let me... I don't like this. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I use this... I'm using, uh, I've been using this Bible program forever, <clears throat> but I'm stuck on something that's frustrating me. I can't figure it out. Uh, so I'm going to express that to you right here on the air. In second, First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it says this, The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, and, and that we need to be like the sons of Issachar, they knew the times in which they lived, and they knew what to do. But the New Living Translation gives a better nuance to that. Listen to how they translate. It says in First Chronicles 12, 30, 32, From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe and their relatives, and I love this, All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. So it's one thing to know the signs of the times, but it's another thing to walk in the wisdom of the Lord to know how to respond to the signs of the times. And we've been studying that for the last six weeks, uh, looking at the end times. What did Paul have? What did the Holy Spirit say through Paul? What did the Holy Spirit say through Jesus? What did the Holy Spirit say through Daniel? Uh, that's where we are tonight as we finish up chapter 12 and... Got a couple more weeks of studies in Daniel. You are welcome. You can join us. Listen, you could join us in person. You should. Yes, we have social distancing. Yes, we have masks. And yes, we have room. We will make room for you. It is time to get back together as a church, number one. Or you can watch online. For all of you that are in high-risk categories in this COVID time, all of you that are concerned, I was just speaking with our sister Judy today, who's in the midst of chemotherapy, she cannot be here. The doctor has forbidden her to be here. It's not the restrictions, not the government. The doctor said don't come. And it's been very hard for her, but she's persevering. Uh, She's a little bit up in age, uh, and we would call her a mature saint, as we have many mature saints. You can't be here, but you can be online. And, and then some would say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, we don't, we don't have a computer. We don't, we don't have online. What are we supposed to do? Well, you can listen live on our radio program. You can listen live uh, list, if you're in the metro area, 89.7. And if you're down in the uh, Colorado Springs area, you can listen on 101.7. Uh, if you have a phone, you can, you can listen on your phone through the Grace FM app. And of course, you can listen on gracefm.com. So all of that, Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m., we'll be here. We we sing together, we pray together, we have communion together, and we study the Bible together. That's our Wednesday nights here at the church. 303-690-3000 is the number, and we are going to Laura in Colorado Springs. Laura, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What can I do for you? I have a question with regard to the book of Esther that I was studying, and I was just explaining to the other gentleman that it states that when they were able, the Jewish were able to um, 
after it had been found out, right, the whole plot, and they were able to uh, go and kill that they did, but it says that they did not plunder. And so that's the part that does that mean that they didn't take anything? They just they just defended themselves and and killed the enemy. Can you tell me where you are referring to? Like oh, this... I, see, I'm not in front of it right now. Okay. But when you said, "Oh, you should call right now because okay. it's a good time," I thought, "Oh, I'm going to call and ask that right." Well, let's see. And so that was my question. But they did not plunder, and it and it mentioned it about two or three times when it. Uh, when it referred to how many they had killed, it was in the thousands, right? And so when it said they did not plunder, and I thought, well, okay, so what does that mean? That they just killed them, but they didn't take their possessions. They didn't burn their burn the city. They didn't. Okay, let me. I think I found it. Was. Let me read it out loud, and let's see if I can't come see if the Bible doesn't answer that question. It says in Shushan the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed five hundred men. Uh, and then there were some names here, the ten sons of Haman, uh, the enemy of the Jews they killed, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. Uh, and, you know, in a general sense, that means they didn't take any, they just, uh, they just took out the, these, these men, uh, Haman's, those that were uh, the sons of Haman, uh, the enemy of the Jews, they paid the price, and 500 other men, uh, but they didn't take anything. Uh, that's what plunder okay. means. They didn't take any possessions. They didn't take any anything that didn't belong to them. They they in this case, um, it just says that they took out these men uh, that plotted to kill them to destroy the Jews. So right, right. Uh, in a simple okay. sense, they didn't wow. take anything that didn't belong to them. They just took them out. They took their lives. <laughs> Right. They just took their lives, yep. right? Which was enough, right? It was enough. Your possessions don't matter once you're gone. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, that was my question. Now I just have a quick uh, request for, for prayer. Uh, I had um, been tested positive with COVID and oh. had um, and had gotten ill, but not terribly ill, thank, thanks to our Lord oh, and, and the authority that I tried to speak into as far as healing and and uh, knowing that I'm whole and 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 uh, and a, and righteous, right, in being an heir, so I just like some prayer for that and just the rest of my family that nothing uh, happens to them. So All right, I'm, let's do I'm that. in the clear now. Well, not clear, clear, right? But that's what I'm just hoping for is a little bit extra prayer, if you don't mind. Okay, let's do it. Father, I lift up my sister to you, and we're grateful. We want to we want to thank you um, publicly for the um, the fact that even though the virus invaded her body, that her symptoms and her response was mild, and she's not in the hospital and she's recovered now. And so we're grateful for that, God. And I pray that even the rest of her family that's in close close proximity, you know, we don't know much. We don't know all, all there is to know about this particular virus. So we pray for the safety of those that are close to her, and we rejoice. And it reminds us too that there are people in the ICU right now. Uh, I even received a text from a sister today that they had a friend um, die as a result of complications from COVID. So we know there is some realism to this, and and it's it is scary. And I just pray for those that are in the ICU tonight and their families and those that have lost yeah. loved ones. God, that um, you would help mitigate the danger of this virus 
and thank you for what you're doing in Laura's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you very much, Brother Taylor. Thank you for the program. You. I really enjoy it. Thank you're, you again. All righty, bye-bye. God bless you. Have a good rest of the day. Thank Bye. you. Bye. 303 We're going to go down to Castle Rock now. It looks like it's Tawny. That's correct. Hey, welcome to the program. Thank you. What can I do for um, you? So I just had a question um, about an author and teacher by the name of Ruth Haley Barton. I was wondering if you know anything about her teaching, and if you do, if you would speak into that for me. I have never heard of her. What does she teach? Um, I, I would say her main teaching is on um, spiritual transformation. Okay. Um, she she has a, a center, um, I believe, in Texas called the Spiritual Transformation Center. Okay. And... Um, she teaches a lot of um, ideology from, like, the Roman Catholic Church, um, a lot about contemplative um, teachings. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, I kind uh, of, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a website here. Um, you know, just the, the description of it with uh, any types of Roman, Roman Catholic theology. Um, other than what we agree on in the essentials, I would not accept. Um, I would read with, like, I don't know her. Uh, I know people mm-hmm. make a big deal about contemplative spirituality, but it just depends on on how you approach it. You know, for to tell somebody to be quiet and wait on the Lord is not a bad thing. Um, right. To twist it around into a new age thing is definitely a bad thing. So it just yeah. depends. The and the, you know we have some buzzwords today, and because. Uh, popular teachers like um, Rick Warren or uh, popular teachers like Beth Moore uh, are in this camp that, you know, because of, of, you know, spiritual formation is a phrase, which is just another, can be, again, depending on how they use it, but it could just be another word for discipleship. And and so what's necessary is to read and compare what they say with the scripture. But I don't know anything about her. Um, Is there anything that she said that concerns you? Uh, say that again, please. Is there anything that she said that would concern you? Um, I haven't. I've only read one of her books. Okay. Um, and it was it was called Longing for More, and it was mostly about women in the church. Okay. Um, and she definitely is in the camp of women having more freedom in the church than what the church has given them in the okay. past. Um. So that's that's really the only one I've read, but um, yeah, I just I just was curious as to what what some buzzwords might be that yeah. you would consider um, red flags if you were reading something by her. Well, I mean, I think that I think that the 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 buzzwords have already have already been there, and you would want to really look deeply of what she means by it. But but if she has leanings toward Roman Catholic doctrine, then I'm not interested. They have a works-based theology. They have a they have a sacramental theology. They they are not a grace-based theology. Even though we share some things in common with Roman Catholicism, like the risen Christ, 
uh, his death, burial, and resurrection, the virgin birth, those essential things. There's many other things that we don't share in common. So from a from a Roman Catholic background alone, that's probably the highest level of concern that I would have with someone that would that would say, yeah, I learned this in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, I would rather hear somebody say that I learned this in in the scriptures. Um, you know, I think that sometimes people, however, sometimes people are are found guilty just by association. And, you know, if she associates with Catholics, I don't think we should not be with Catholics. I don't think we should, I think we should have a, a wide range of friends uh, and uh, co-laborers. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't know anything about her. I can't really speak to her. Well, that answers my question. I yeah. really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Like, so let's talk a little bit. Let me. I can sort something out for you. Let's talk a little bit with the book that you did write. Does she advocate women being elders? Um, I think she ad- advocates um, women being in every every area of leadership in the church. Okay, so if if she said that, then on biblical grounds, uh, I don't need a website for that, I would just say on biblical grounds, I would disagree with her. Although, when you first said that she advocates women having a greater role in the church, I actually agree with that statement. That's a statement I could agree with, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that we, as leaders of the church, need to, as, as we would with anyone, be on the lookout for the spiritual gifts of the men and the women and make right. sure that every gift in the church is being harnessed according to the glory of God. Um, right. But I can't, as a leader entrusted with the gospel, I can't do more than the Bible says. And I, and I don't believe the Bible allows for the the leadership of the church, the elder pastor, to be a woman. Okay. Um, I think it's demonstrated with the life of Jesus. It's demonstrated all throughout the Old Testament. It's demonstrated mm-hmm. in the life of Jesus. It's taught. It's demonstrated in the book of Acts in the early church. It's taught and corrected in the epistles and explained even through uh, from Paul to Timothy. But the, like anything, you know, like, like anything, it doesn't mean the, the roles and responsibilities doesn't mean a de- degradation of, of value or nature, right? Because uh, a woman... Only a woman can be a mom. I am unable to be a mom. That's how God created us. I can never in my entire life be a mom. But I'm not, I wasn't made for that role. Just like my wife, she, she's never going to be a dad, ever. Not in a million years. She wasn't made for that role, but it, she's not less than me, and I'm not more than her. And so same with the, when you take that principle and you bring it in, you know, there's a fancy word for that. It's ontological. The word ontological means uh, equal, or it speaks to our nature, you and I. You know, just you and I, I just met you on the phone right now. You and I are equal in value before the Lord. I'm not more important than you, and you're not more important than me. Uh, When God sees us, he sees us through the blood of Christ. But there are things that you can do I can never do. But it, just because I can't, you know, this idea that said, you can be whatever you want to be, that's not true. That, that's just not, to tell a kid that is not true. They can never be a bird. They're never going to be able to fly, flap their wings and jump off the roof and fly. They can't. And that, but that doesn't mean that they're less of a person, if that makes sense. And sure. so when you come to the scriptures, when God assigns roles, 
based on gender or even based on experience. You know, a, a, a person, let, let's say, a, we're, we're talking about gender, but let's just say if a man is not called to be a pastor, if he doesn't have God's calling and gifting upon him, he cannot be a pastor, period. And, or at least not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would be a pseudo pastor, right? He would right. he would take something upon himself, and and then you think, right. well, wait a minute, Ed, I know a guy like that, and people get saved there all the time. Well, that's because God loves the people, and right. he'll use donkeys to reach people if he needs to. Yeah. For example, can can and I'm going to ask a real a, little, a real life question. It's a little off topic, but I think it it speaks to this. Can can a man that's living in the sin of adultery stand in the pulpit, teach a Bible study, and people learn, and some people actually give their life to Jesus Christ? Can that happen? Oh, absolutely. We know a pastor who did that exact thing. Yes, and so do I. I have a man in mind, very uh, before he was in sin, very gifted, very, yeah. very... But, but should he? <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I believe that's the same principle when God right. assigns roles within it's can they of course they can, but from God's perspective should they? And we say no, God did not intend that. And, and so we have right. in the church many people doing things that God didn't intend, but but I do have to say that there 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 is a problem within the church at large and I hope it's eradicated here. I'd never want to hear it here that women are not used to the fullness of the gifting that God's given to them, and that's sinful. Mm-hmm. I doubt that's what she wrote, though. Well, that was kind of the the foundational premise, right? Um, but then, of course, she elaborated and and took it, you know, to more extremes. Um, you know, and I didn't necessarily agree with with everything she said by any means. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't that teaching in particular that that I've been you know hearing concerning thoughts about, and uh, so I just wondered if you if you knew of her and and knew of her teaching. Um, yeah, I mean, so. looking through the, I think this is I don't know what particular uh, website this is, but it, you know it's some apologetic website. All the buzzwords are used mm-hmm. for contemplative spirituality mysticism, mm-hmm. um, obviously Roman Catholicism, that's an easy one, contemplative. It just really depends on like the, the idea that, that okay, well, the, um, you know, someone would say, well, the monks were contemplative mystics. And then you ask yourself, what sin did they commit by waiting on the Lord, by choosing to be right. quiet, by right. maybe applying the, the scripture, be still and know that I am God. Now, maybe we wouldn't go that far, or maybe it was because they were the, the, because the monks were Catholic that automatically being still and quiet is wrong. However, I mean, I think I can make a case that says, you know, God doesn't want us to pull out of the world. He wants us to go into the world. But what would, what would hurt us if we got away for a week to wait on the Lord? Like that would be a good thing. So, I've never really bought into the guilt by association. I like to take each one and say, well, what sin? Well, you know, they're uh, connected to this contemplative person. Okay, all right, so what sin did they actually commit? Because that's what we can deal with. Right, yeah. That's, that's a good perspective. I appreciate that, that insight. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think even when we're reading people, 
um, when we're reading other other authors, we hold them to the merits of what they said as we compare them to the scriptures, because really, ultimately, it's their personal relationship with the Lord and the character that comes, it'll be reflected in their writings. Right. And we just reject false teaching. You like I there's there's any other book than the Bible. If I ever recommend a book, and I recommend a lot of them, uh, if I ever recommend a book, it does not get the same authority as recommending the Bible because oh. I and I tell people this: chew the meat and spit out the bones. There you go. <laughs> and that that's and and only mature people can really do that. I wouldn't want a new believer to be all confused and messed up. But like the reality is, is that. That, that we've got to learn to be discerning who we watch on YouTube, who we listen to on the radio, what books we read, and we need to chew the meat, spit out the bones. And if there is some doctrinal statement that needs clarification, then we take that doctrinal statement and we come back to the contextual place where that scripture was used. And that's how we, that's how we come to the conclusion. That's good. It just takes a lot yeah. of work, so most people don't do it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, and Jesus bless your day. Thank you. I receive it. All Bye-bye. right. Bye. 303-690-3000. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm glad that she asked it because it is, you know, we, we are definitely in the minefield of false teachings, of false teachers, and there is much to be said about being careful who we receive and who we give our ear to. However, it's very easy. Like, for example, I am not reformed in my theology at all. I don't agree with the five points of Calvinism. I don't believe with, by, with hyper-Calvinism. I don't, I don't accept the tulip. I, I reject all five points because they're interrelated. However... Many, many Reformed theologians have blessed me. Many, like Spurgeon or Luther or even Calvin and his institutes. Uh, And many people, like the whole Gospel Coalition, there's many things that they've blessed me on. Even John Piper, as strong as a five-pointer as he is, and how much I disagree with him, there are many things that I've enjoyed from him. Uh, And and we just have to be discerning uh, and careful. And I'm certain, certain, uh, because I stand in the pulpit and I say a lot of things and I've even written things. Hey, believe me, my, my email box is filled with people that disagree with me. It's okay. Praise God that salvation doesn't require us to agree with everyone we hear or everyone that we read. However, we definitely want to be careful of false teaching. Whoever maligns the character of Christ whoever maligns the nature of salvation or misrepresents it or undermines it. Remember, the the greatest lie is, did God indeed say that we would somehow have the Word of God undermined? And and so we do have, you know, we do uh, a woman advocating for uh, women to be greater used in the church is someone I can... I can agree with uh, until they disagree with the Bible. Because I do think, I mean, some of the most gifted people on our staff are women. Uh, I just had a meeting with two of them uh, right now, right before I came in the studio. Godly, uh, amazing, 
mature, gifted women. Um, I think of my own wife. I think of the wives of the pastors. I think of the women in our church. Like, yes, I will champion women being used more. Rise up, women, and let's serve. And I say, rise up, men, and let's serve. These are the last days. Let's do it. But I do draw the line of seeing the leadership of the church, the elders, pastors being women. Uh, However, deaconesses, worship leaders, I don't, like if a woman starts speaking the word of God, I don't reject. One of the greatest Bible teachers that I've heard uh, ever before was Maureen Schaefer. She just graduated into heaven. We miss her and love her, but what a gifted, talented teacher. I love to hear from her and read her books. So anyway, great first half. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half. I'm always amazed at how fast a segment will go. And we only have this little break. We, we don't we don't have a uh, lot of commercials. We don't have any commercials on the station at all. We only do that little quick break just to rest your voice, maybe stretch, uh, and then we're back. So give me a call. Well, all lines are full, so uh, let's jump right back into the phone lines. I think we are Nicholas in Thornton, Colorado. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Nicholas, you on the air with us? <clears throat> well, it says you wanted prayer and for your marriage, getting life back on track. So I pray for Nicholas, God, that you would lead him as he uh, in his marriage and get his life back on track. And really, Lord, like, like you said to the church in Ephesus, to remember from where he has fallen, to repent, to repeat the first works. And we, we often... When things get tough, we often rearrange all the practical things and we neglect the spiritual. And I pray Nicholas would do the opposite. Uh, He would do very different. He would address both of them and he would handle it spiritually and practically. And so bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Benjamin on line two. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Good. I have a question on Romans 3.11. Kind okay. of been a, a verse I've been struggling with lately. It says, uh, there's no one who speaks God. Um, I'm trying to understand, does this mean that literally nobody actually does speak after God? God speaks us like a one-direction thing? Or or does he only choose some, speak after some? Or, you know, kind of how does how the scale get removed from our eyes? Is that our choice? Is that God? Or kind of a middle ground? Well, there, there definitely is a... The Bible says that that God has has that we're so separated from God that we are groping around. So the idea that that when we well let's start over when you take a passage like this, let's okay. try not to read anybody's theological point to it. I'll answer that in a moment, okay. but let's try not to answer that to re- let anybody's theology read into it. So let's go to it and allow the allow the text to say what it says with with nobody's theology on it so you got what romans 3 is it what 3 11 ish yeah 
so you've got what then this is we'll, we'll, we'll come up in verse 9 what then are they better are we better than they no not at all for we have all previously charged that both Jews and Greeks that they're all under this under sin so the point he's making is that everyone's under sin so the way that he uh, we are all been touched with sin and the way that he makes that point is by quoting to us um, uh, from what Isaiah let's see um, or is it Psalm um, and he said, and he, so he, there's none righteous, no, not one, not one that understands, not one that seeks after God. We've all turned aside. We've all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Those are, those are designations of being not saved. That's what he's describing. You know, as you look at Jewish parallel, parallelism in their, in the poetry, uh, this would be line by line. He's making the same point. There's none righteous, no, not one. He makes it a different way. No one understands. He makes it a different way. No one who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. Uh, they've all together become unprofitable. Uh, and so the idea that he's making is that everyone's lost. But notice when you come to Acts chapter 17, uh, you have an, a scripture when Paul is there on, the, on Mars Hill and, and he makes a stunning statement. He says, in Acts 17, um, verse 27, he makes this um, very interesting statement. He says, so that, uh, let's go, and he made, verse 26, he's made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they would seek the Lord and the hope that they might grope for him and find him even though he's not very far from each of us. So now you have a passage that God set up all the circumstances in such a way so that we would feel hopeless, empty, grope for him, and seek him. And, okay. and so we have two, that, that's just two verses in tension um, that God uh, has, on one hand, declared everybody to be lost. That's all he's really saying. And he's not making an absolute statement that nobody seeks after him. Um, there's a lot of people that seek after him. Yes, unbelievers seek after him. You think of even in the life of Jesus, when, um, when the covenant, when, when Zac- Zacchaeus came to him, uh, and now Jesus is in, in human flesh, he's preaching repentance, he's calling people to follow him. When Zacchaeus came to him, from your evangelical uh, 21st century understanding, do you think Zacchaeus was saved? No. Or unsaved at that moment. Unsaved. Yeah, he was still Old Covenant. The New Covenant has ushered in, and I think you could probably make an argument about the cross and when the New Covenant came in, but Jesus inviting him to follow him, and he doesn't. He rejected Jesus. But did he seek out Jesus? Yes. Of course he did. And you think of the rich man he did. And so it's not an absolute statement that nobody seeks after God. A lot of people seek after God. Um they, they seek after, they, they may not have full understanding, right? They may not understand theology. They may be selfish. They may, there's a million ways that you seek after God, but the idea that no one can seek after God, and now we can fit that theological comment until God first lets them, I disagree with. I believe God has allowed circumstances that a lot of people cry out to God. Can a person get saved apart from the, uh, that can, a person gets saved because they pray a prayer? No. Can a person get saved because they 
um, came to church? No. Only God saves, and no one can come to the Father unless he's led or um, brought to him, and he's convicted of a sin. Remember, the Spirit of God was sent into the world to bring conviction of sin. But I don't believe the quotation in chapter 3, verse 11, is an absolute statement that nobody can seek God. He's just saying, line by line, we're lost, we're all lost, we're all lost, we're all lost. That's the main point he's making in Romans chapter 3, verse 11. Okay, yeah, that's some clarification. I, I, just, I heard somebody say something else regarding that verse. I just wanted some clarification. Yeah, no, it's a no, great that, question. That, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I think that, I, and that's where the, the, the easiest thing is, is to come away from that sense of, well, look, you know, they're, you know, because, you know, they got that new phrase a few years ago, the seeker-sensitive movement. And so in order to make that point, and I think I even made that point in the earlier days, and I've changed my mind. Um, that, well, how can you be a seeker if no one seeks God? Well, man, yeah. read the Bible. That's, that's, I think what I heard. All kinds of people like seek God. And, and so I, I've learned over the years, as I, as I hopefully continue to mature in my teaching, that, that I, need to be clar- I need to clarify, like, like the the real like people right now they're listening to us on the radio but they're in prison um, mm-hmm. to think that they don't have a real hunger for God I think they do um, but that seeking doesn't save them it draws them God uses circumstances He uses conviction and they'll never be saved just because they're seeking Him they'll only be saved by His power but I don't believe God forces someone to be saved like like some theologies like hyper. Calvinism would say right. that you need to be born again before you're born again. And like, you need to be born again twice. Where's that in the Bible? Right, right. Okay, yeah, that clarifies. No, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to talk about. Great question. Thanks for calling. All right, you have a good one. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. And you know, I, I have to say, just listening, I have, um, I hope matured in my teaching and tried to be more clear. Um, I, tr- I, I want to be more nuanced, and I want to be more accurate to the Scriptures, not just because I heard somebody say it or a popular preacher said it or even a popular preacher in our movement, our little family of churches. Um, popular preachers can be wrong, and so can Ed Taylor. And I'm not a popular preacher. I'm just a guy here in Aurora. I can be wrong. And just like our—I I like the kind of theme, you know, of uh, of— we got to test everything that we hear and compare it by the Word of God. And I do believe there are people seeking God today. I do believe that. Um, I don't believe that's an absolute, absolute statement um, because there are, Paul said it, God's arranged circumstances in people's lives that they might seek Him and grope for Him. Let me look at that word real quick. I'm going to get back to the phone lines in a minute, but let me see what grope means. Um, he's not very far from him. Grope means, the Greek word means to feel an object or to feel after, to touch lightly. Um, so the idea is to reach out, to reach out for. All right, 303-690-3000. Uh, where are we at here? We're going to go all the way to California, Palmdale, California. Brock, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. What's up? Hey, um, I was kind of having a conversation, and I was just, um, I don't have it in front of me. It's in Acts, maybe chapter 2 or 4, where um, the first, the early church had uh, 
they didn't consider anything their own and they had all things in common. Um, there's a movie called Paul, Apostle of Christ, and some of the scenes, um, there's like a household and it, it, uh, it looks like they were just, you know, inviting people in, literally into their home. I just, I was unclear if there's any outside sources outside of Acts that would um, point to that being a early church reality. Well, that's a that's a good question. I can't think of any off the top of my head. However, uh, in the first century, if you go to Israel with us, one of the stops that we'll make is in the Qumran area where they found uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, right on the edge of the Dead Sea there. There's the area of Qumran, and in that area, uh, not only did the shepherd boy find the scrolls, but they unearthed a whole community of the Essenes uh, where they lived communally. So living communally was definitely something that happened during the first century where for spiritual purposes and spiritual reasons, um, you know, the Essenes uh, were not Christ followers. They were, they, they were pre-Christ, and maybe some of them left the Essene community to follow Christ, but it, was, it would not be, un, just judging on that, I'm kind of going backwards, just judging on that, it would not be unusual for a group of people to live together for the sake of, of sharing communally uh, to worship and eat together and live together and raise your family together. I mean, uh, even within the Israeli mindset, the whole idea of the kibbutz, uh, that communal living where you, it's, it's very similar to a communistic viewpoint where everything is shared in common for all the greater good, and we all live on this property together, uh, and and we share everything. Go everything goes into a pod, and all the needs are met by the community. So that in and of itself was not a foreign concept, both to the Jewish people nor to the those living in the first century. But external, uh, that that's something that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm probably gonna have to look up a little bit because I don't think I'm gonna be able to to uh, spend too much time without answering that question because I bet you there is. Um, okay. I bet no, you I there is. I just think it's a beautiful concept, and, um, you know, thank you for uh, sharing the information you do have. Um, kind of, it's not really a connected side note. It's just um, maybe a tad response to the earlier caller. Um, one thing that I enjoyed about the Word is um, I, I don't have the exact place in Scripture, but there's a place, I believe Paul says it, when you heard the, the word of truth, the salvation of your souls, and um, Peter mentions about the, um, be, who begat us by what the, um, oh no, that's James, begat us by the word of truth, but Peter talks about born again of incorruptible seed, the living and abiding word of God. Jesus says, um, you know, that the Pharisees didn't receive his word, um, but, you know, those, those who hold fast to his word is teaching. Um, so I just, when I, my, my current understanding and, you know, with a grain of salt is just that, um, the, the seed is potent. The word goes forth <laughs> and does not return void. Sure. And, um, you know, the people of God are to be liberal one, you know, one sows and other waters. And it's just, the, um, I think the, either the defenses get broken down um, by the power of the Word of God or, you know, the person's heart. It's, it's the condition of the individual soil um, and the person to receive the Word of God. And with, like, Jer- uh, 
I'm sorry, I think it's Ezekiel um, 18 or 33, I forget which, but, you know, God's pleading and say, well, why, why won't you, you know, turn and get a new heart and a new spirit, you know? And so he, he doesn't have pleasure in the death of the wicked. So my current understanding is just that we, we all have free will. Those of us who have understanding that can, you know, believe that God is true and he is good and he's provided the way for us, you know, through the, the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, the love of God. We love him because he first loved us. And it, it's the amazing grace of God that the, the gospel, the power to save a life. So I just think it's, it's really, um, you know, according to one's faith. And it sounds hard, but it, I think it works great with free will. It's just like, you know, Paul says, if you judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, so be it. So I just think that that there is a, a responsibility. God's given us the ability to respond to the Word. And and so he doesn't want any to be saved, you know. So I, I don't know what the, um, you know, the... What, what authority and what power um, Christians have to, you know, pray against the, the, the forces of darkness, as it were, or um, to have the, the veil, you know, lifted. And, and But praying before sharing always seems to be more fruitful in, in my experience. So, right on, thank bro. You. Thank you. God bless you, man. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, we've been uh, we've been looking at the Hall of Faith verse by verse here at Calvary, and one of the verses, of course, that keeps popping up is that uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But let's read around it. In verse 14 of Romans 10, it says, How then shall they call on him and who they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. You could say it the opposite way. Some have disobeyed the gospel. Isaiah says, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I can't help but think of of the author to the Hebrews, I think is Paul, who would say the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'll tell you what, it was the simple teaching of the Bible at a church, Calvary Chapel Downey, by my pastor, Jeff Johnson, that the Holy Spirit used to bring conviction of sin and give me new life. And I wouldn't have heard Jeff or met him if my buddy didn't invite me to get come to church, if I didn't get in my car and drive there, uh, and hear it and receive it. It's a beautiful thing. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Let's get back to the phone lines. Where are we? We are, oh, we are back with Bianca. Welcome to the program, Bianca. Hello, Pastor Ed. How are oh. things going over there? Well, you know, challenge it's very challenging i sure with your blindness things have been super challenging for you too but it's been hard it's been hard Bianca. yeah i know it's been really hard for me too but i do have a praise Do-it. report what which is, is the point of my call 
ever since quarantine. I know I haven't said too much, but I have been doing a lot of online ministry lately. Oh, right on. And I just want to praise the Lord because I think there has been tremendous fruit from this online ministry I've been doing. And I really believe the Lord is calling me right now to be a virtual missionary. So maybe that's something to pray about, too. But the Lord is just doing such amazing things. And I believe the Lord is really calling me to take other steps of faith in the near future with maybe who knows someone else that's thinking of being a virtual missionary somehow because I really think, I believe I can step alongside them and help them out with things. So, so the Lord is really, truly doing great things. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for this encouraging call from Bianca uh, and for the work that you're accomplishing in her, in her life, the things that you're doing, the, the joy that you're bringing, and I pray, God, that <clears throat> you continue to use her in this newfound opportunity of ministry. Protect her in the spiritual battle and the, uh, the challenges that she's facing. Um, but at the same time, Lord, continue to pour out your spirit in a powerful way. Bless her and encourage her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. Love to have you back in person soon enough. Yeah, I don't know when that'll be. I'm still praying about it. In the Lord's timing. Yeah. (laughs) All right, see you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 303-690-3 thousand is the number uh, we got an open line if you like it let's move on up to fort collins colorado chris welcome to the program well thank you You're thank welcome. you i've been listening uh on the radio i'm going to turn it down okay great uh i have a question in my reading this morning i came across matthew 23 verses uh eight through and i think yes. yeah eight through ten and I didn't quite know how to take it. Okay, uh, kind of threw me. All right. So some of the time, so when you when you and I face challenges uh, with a text, with a scripture, kind of just jumping off the page, one of the best things to do is go back to the beginning of the paragraph or the thought, because the the sentence, just like you and I, as we're talking, the sentence will will flow within the train of thought that we're speaking. And it will make sense if everyone, if, if we take it out of context, then it won't make much sense. But if we keep it in context, then we'll understand what we were talking about. And here, Jesus is warning. He's speaking to the multitudes, starting verse 1, and he's ta- te- teaching his disciples about the religious rulers that were misrepresenting God. And he said in verse 1, they sit in Moses' seat, which is a seat of authority. And because they're in that authority... Whatever they tell you to do, go ahead and do it, but don't follow their example. And then he says, here's one of the things. They bind heavy burdens. 
on uh, that are hard to bear. They put them on men's shoulders, but they they aren't going to carry them themselves. And it's and he says that it's pretty obvious by their works. They just want to be seen by men. They want to to be looked up to by men. They love the best places. They love the best seats. They love all the greetings. Uh, they love to be called rabbi, rabbi. Now you connect that with back sitting in Moses' seat. They want. They enjoy being called rabbi, rabbi because of the authority that they receive by that statement. They they like being looked at not as a fellow Jew, not as a fellow God follower, but they like to the authority. They like the position, and they love it when you call them rabbi, rabbi. And that's building up to what he said in verse 8. But you don't be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. And you go, wait a minute, I, I know a lot of people that are called rabbi. Well, he's not talking about the title. The title of rabbi is not a bad thing. But when it's used to take the place of the authority of God, when it's used to take attention away from God, when it's used to, to imply that the rabbi is more important than God, don't use that title. Don't use it. Don't be called that. Don't do what they're doing. And then he says, and then he says, uh, you um, don't don't call anyone on earth your father. And that would be confusing, right? Because we all have dads and fathers. <laughs> uh, so what do you mean? I can't call my dad my dad? No, that's not what he's saying. In context, what is he saying? He's saying, don't use the term father that would replace your heavenly father. Don't let it stop at your earthly dad. Your earthly dad is not the final authority because he says, for one is your father who's in heaven. So spiritually, you guys, don't call anybody father. And this would be a great um, correction for the Roman Catholic Church, wouldn't it? Mm. Because they do exactly that. what Jesus forbids. They use the term father as if that's the final authority on, on spiritual matters. And no way, you don't call anybody father that way. It, he's not saying you can't call your dad dad or your dad father. It's on a spiritual case. And he says, don't be called teachers. Don't let it end with you because you have one teacher. So the, the context is sitting in Moses' seat in the place of authority and loving all the attention. The attention's not going to God, but to you because of your spiritual position. And he says, don't you guys do that. It's not so much the name and the title. Those aren't forbidden. Of course, you can call people teachers. But when it comes to teaching, there's really only one teacher. And when it comes to fathering, there's really only one father, spiritually. And when it, becomes, when it comes to rabbis, there's only really one rabbi. And that's what I think he's saying there. Okay, that helps a lot. And then verse 11, he says, here's the thing. You see these guys, how they like titles, how they like positions, how they like authority, how they like power. And what does he say? Now that you guys know about them, you, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, the, the counterintuitive leadership of Jesus is the way up in this world is down. You want to be greatest? Then you need to be the servant of all. Oh, okay. All right, thank you. That did help clarify a lot. Great. Thanks for calling. Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000, and here we are, end of the program.
And what a show. It's been great. Hey, I want to give a shout-out. Our Calvary Christian Academy, our private Christian school here, K-8 through in Aurora, Colorado, we have some openings uh, in person. We're coming back in person. Uh, that's our goal. And we invite you. Call, call our church if you're here in, in the metro area and you want your kids. We're, we have tours right now. Uh, 303-628-7200. That's our church number. Ask to speak with Jill. 303-628-7200. We have a very focused curriculum, uh, a very focused, uh, uh, gifted teachers that love kids, pour into kids, teach kids. We don't, we're not just academically sound. We are biblically and spiritually sound, and we are returning in person here in Aurora, Colorado. If you want your kids in an in-person school, and we'll be in person until we absolutely can't be, um, according to the guidelines. And we're looking forward to being in person. We'll do our best to social distance and mitigate all of the risks uh, involved. But we're in person here at Calvary Christian Academy, K through 8. K through 8. We have openings, I think, in every grade level. Uh, if you'd like your kids to be in person here, uh, it's not too late to take a tour and enroll your kids. Call our church, 303-628-7200. Ask for Jill. She'll be waiting for your call. We're here tonight, 7 o'clock. See you looking at the book of Daniel, chapter 12. And worshiping, praying, singing, and communion, and Bible study. See you at 7 o'clock. Go to calvaryco.church. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.